Make sure to give my dad a five-star review. Get, make sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube. And thank you for listening and enjoy the show. show. <laughs> Ronald Reagan's decision in his first year as California governor in 1967, one of the first things that the state legislature laid on his plate was the most liberal law in the country that effectively legalized abortion in California. Most people wouldn't think Ronald Reagan would be your your guy for fighting the most liberal abortion law in the country. He did. Welcome, Faithful Politics listeners and viewers. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, I am your political host, Will Wright, and your co-host, your faithful host, um, Josh Bertram, can't be here this week. But um, in his place, we have Karen Tumulty. Um, She is a Washington Post deputy editorial page editor and columnist um, here to talk to us about um, abortion and kind of the, the politics surrounding it. So thank you, Karen, for being here. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And 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 I, I like to do this with a lot of our journalists when we when we get people from the news here on our program that are um, kind enough to give us their time. I just want to just say thank you for just all the work that you do. Um, we've you. we've had a lot of different journalists on and I and I can imagine it's it's a thankless profession. <laughs> Sometimes. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, but it's like I, I was I was just thinking about this the other day when um, you see these images from Ukraine or you see what's happening on January 6th or you see like the stuff that goes on in the world that the only reason we know about it are because of people um, in your profession. And, um, you know, I think people kind of forget that sometimes. And uh, so, so if nothing else, this show is very journalist friendly. Um, We've had journalists from all walks of life. We've had Breitbart, Washington Post and others. Um, So, yeah. So just thank you for that. Um, but um, moving to the topic at hand, I, I'd love for you just to kind of give us the, the state of where are we at with regards to abortion rights in this country? Uh, maybe that, that's a good good landing or, or setting off sure. spot. Mm. Well, I, you know, everybody is waiting for the Supreme Court to issue its opinion in this case of a Mississippi law that is, I mean, that is, and Mississippi is directly challenging Roe versus Wade, the 1973 decision that made abortion legal nationally. And if the court goes as far as a lot of people think they will, which is to actually, you know, overturn Roe versus Wade, um, then what we're going to see is the country is going to become on this issue, really, two countries. Um, A lot of conservative states are going to move to drastically restrict abortion in their, you know, within their boundaries. And, but also what you're seeing is a lot of, of more liberal states moving the other way and actually trying to put in protections for abortion rights. And the, the thing is that public opinion measured pretty broadly has not really changed on this issue at all. 
since Roe v. Wade was decided in January of, of 1973. Um, most people, and we're talking 60%, sometimes upwards, believe that abortion should be there in the case in particular of how it is normally, you know, occurs, which is relatively early in a pregnancy, Mm -hmm. the first 13 weeks, you get past that and people do become very ambivalent about it. And the, the, you know, the further into a pregnancy, the more people do want to see restrictions. Um, And they, they also want to see restrictions in, certain aspects of it. For instance, you know, whether a minor should be able to get an abortion without her parents knowing about it and approving of it. Those kinds of issues, which, which kind of come up on the sidelines of Mm -hmm. the central question. Again, people are pretty united on. And that is one of the reasons why, you know, Bill Clinton, who came up with the formulation when he was running for president president that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was politically genius. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing is like, you know, it, we've also skirted one of the big issues, which is, you know, why can't we make it to where fewer unintended pregnancies occur, whether it is, through education or whether it is through better, easier forms of contraception. And that's, you know, one of these things that both sides agree on and yet not a lot gets done on that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's really weird. Like um, um, when we spoke with Abby Johnson a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the discussion points that we had was, you know, kind of what, what the, what the center of the argument really is is it viability is it you know kind of where life begins is it pain threshold um and what's interesting based on my understanding of a lot of these laws it it's centered around viability um there seems to be arguments about okay well you know at 13 weeks at 6 weeks at whatever you know that that it that it, that the the fetus is is viable and and i'm curious to kind of get get your take on on what 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 your sense of the arguments are from all these different states about you know restricting abortion access well on the viability question so much has changed since 1973 um there are techniques of that have been developed of you know keeping premature babies alive at earlier and earlier stages although short of inventing some kind of artificial lung uh you haven't seen it push any earlier than say 22 weeks but there's also the technology that has gone along with pregnancies where i am the proud grandmother of my first grandchild and yes but the you know the sonogram pictures that that my son and daughter-in-law had and shared with us I mean people walk around they they can see this you know they can see a baby developing and I think 
I think that has um, also kind of, again, it's, it's not just viability. People just know a lot more than they used to about the development of a fetus. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm curious about your, your, your take on um, the, the politics of all this. I mean, it's in my view (laughs) that if, if uh, in June, when the Supreme court opinions come out, if they significant significantly um, restrict or overturn Roe v. Wade, in my opinion, I felt like that's going to activate a lot of Democrats. Um, I, what are you What are you hearing? Well, it has always been that abortion is has been a voting issue for one side, but not the other. Mm-hmm. Um, that people who are ardently anti-abortion that's a deal breaker for them when it comes to a candidate. Um, mm-hmm. But people who are, you know, ardently in favor of, of abortion rights, also generally that that is, you know, that's sort of one in the smorgasbord of issues. Um, I think that could very much potentially change. Um, although I, I have talked to pollsters, I, I was talking to Celinda Lake, who's a Democratic pollster who does, a, she's really good at focus groups. And she said that, you know, when it became clear, when Texas passed this incredibly restrictive abortion law that the Supreme Court didn't stop, when the Mississippi case got onto the radar, that she would find in her focus groups that people were very, very anxious about these Mm -hmm. developments, but that it did, they subside pretty soon people in focus groups would say oh well that's just texas or that's just mississippi (laughs) um i think that the court decision if it goes that way could change that yeah no i i I agree and 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 i and i'm wondering if if the if the opposite or if the inverse could be could also be true if they don't overturn Roe v. Wade um, and allow the precedent to stand, you know, would that would that activate Republicans? I mean, I think going into the midterms, you know, um, Democrats are already looking at um, probably not hoping, but are looking at, you know, losing the House. So so would 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 the Supreme Court not overturning Roe activate Republicans to come out in force? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, Josh Bertram here, faithful host of the Faithful Politics Podcast. I want to let you know about a compelling new spinoff, the Faith Roundtable, where I'll be interviewing top faith leaders, theologians, and scholars to unpack the pressing issues that are shaping the church in America today. We'll dive into topics like faith in public life, social justice, and how we can engage our communities more effectively. Make sure you don't miss any of our enlightening conversations by subscribing to it on our YouTube channel. Join me at the Faith Roundtable, where deep discussion meets thoughtful insight. Um, I think Republicans are pretty activated as it is. Um, it's true. It's, uh, I mean, you see right now that, you know, every bit of data, at least that I've seen, is that the Republican electorate is much more engaged, much more motivate, motivated 
than the Democratic electorate. Now, these things are always hard to predict in midterm elections. Mm-hmm. In, in 2018, a lot of people came out who don't normally get in, you know, in, in activated in Democratic, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in midterm elections. Uh, young people, uh, a, a number of, it's always difficult, for instance, to get unmarried women to the mm-hmm. polls. They vote. Democratic, if you can get them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in some cases, communities of color, they showed up for a midterm election in 2018 when they normally don't. Like, yeah. Pollsters call them surge voters. But it, it's those are the people that Democrats are really struggling with right now to to get them excited about the election, or even in some cases aware there's an election. Yeah, good point. Yeah, now, now, now you you wrote an article um, recently called Democratic Governors Look for Ways to Protect Abortion Rights, uh, focused on um, some of the challenges that Governor Whitmer has there in Michigan. What, what's, what, what's going on there in Michigan? So um, what Governor Whitmer is in her situation, and it's a situation that you see with governors in a number of states. You see Democratic governors with Republican legislatures. Mm-hmm. And um, in her case, what she, you know, you see that in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. you see it in North Carolina. So these are governors who know that they are going to receive legislation from their conservative legislatures that, you know, they can, they can veto them in some cases they can, you know, the legislature can override or not. Governor Whitmer in Michigan, who is up for reelection this year, she's one of those Democrats who was elected in that 2018 surge has taken a novel and particularly aggressive stance and one that her state constitution gives her the power to do as governor where she knows that these anti-abortion bills are going to come if Roe versus Wade falls. So she has filed a lawsuit and gone directly to the state Supreme Court and asked them to rule directly on whether the right to abortion is protected in the Michigan Constitution Hmm. through due process or, you know, whatever. Um, the the Michigan State Supreme Court is elected. It is marginally more Democratic than Republican. Uh, she, she, you know, doesn't know how quickly or even whether they will engage on this, but that she's like, you know, going for for any arrow in her quiver here. Wow, that that, that that's pretty amazing. I mean, if if she's able to to be successful in her efforts, I mean, that would somewhat insulate her from any potential um, ruling with with the the Dobbs v. Jackson case. Should should that that uh, affect anything? Right. Yeah, she is essentially asking for a Roe versus Wade decision <laughs> that is Michigan specific. Mm-hmm. Got it. Wow, that, that that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and 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 I noticed that. So there's another state. Um, Kentucky with uh, uh, Governor Bush Bashir, I think that's how you say his name, um, who who's a Democrat and has a primarily Republican led legislature uh, system there. And they're they're having some issues, too. Are, are, are you following following that? Yeah. 
Now, my understanding of the situation there, and yes, Kentucky, very, very red state. Mm-hmm. Um, so there had been uh, some anti-abortion legislation that uh, the governor was previously the attorney general. As governor, he has decided not to take us, not to carry this challenge, you know, in, in court cases against this legislation. He has decided as governor in, that he is not going to defend the state law. So the attorney general, who is a Republican, is essentially trying to do an end run around the governor so that he can defend these re- abortion restrictions. And that is a case that is going to go to the Supreme Court. And so the question is going to be whether the attorney general has a Republican attorney general has the right to circumvent a Democratic attorney general. It can circumvent a governor who is in favor of abortion rights. Um, This is how we are, you know, this is how narrowly we are slicing things. I mean, individual states have individual circumstances, and sometimes it is really hard to follow along sort of the state of play in so Mm -hmm. many states. Yeah, it's it's it it is really confusing and and uh, you know shameless plug for Washington Post. You guys have a really really great like website that um, um, I'll, I'll put the links in the in the show notes that that goes state by state that shows like what the different states' um, abortion laws are and kind of like their status. So um, you guys you guys did a really good job with that. Um, now now last last September you 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 wrote another abortion related article um, that. That's that was an opinion piece that said Republicans will rue the Texas abortion law. And I'm curious, kind of like looking, looking at that now, you know, and comparing it to sort of the state of play, you know, in our current times, like, like, do you do you have any, I don't know, adjustments? Do you still do you still kind of hold hold true? I still believe this is this issue, at least the tack that that some of the more conservative abortion foes are taking is not a political winner overall. Um, in some cases, for instance, um, in Texas, you can file a lawsuit against someone who assists in an abortion. Um, this, this essentially turns ordinary citizens into you know, people who can squeal on their neighbors. I, I just don't think people are that comfortable with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also interesting. I um, I just finished a four and a half years working on a biography of Nancy Reagan. And one of the things that I dealt with in all of this was Ronald Reagan's decision in his first year as California governor in 1967, one of the first things that the state legislature laid on his plate was the most liberal law in the country that effectively legalized abortion in California. Most people wouldn't think Ronald Reagan would be your your guy for signing the most liberal abortion law in the country. He did. Um, He later said he regretted it. Um, 
but he did. And for a while, um, before Roe versus Wade, there were, there was a, you know, famous flight from Texas, like that, you know, women knew that there was a certain flight on a Friday night or something that they were flying into California from just all over the country because they couldn't get abortions in their home, in the States where they live. We're likely to see another system like that again. Um, where and and this is a situation that really penalizes women who don't have the resources to do that, or you know they can't leave. They have other children at home. They they can't sort of leave leave them and and take off across whatever state line they need to take off. Yeah, you know, and and it's so interesting. So the um, so when I was talking to Abby Johnson, she she runs an organization in Texas that that um provide support to women who um want to have an abortion but they've you know convinced them otherwise so so you know long story short like they provide um you know clothes food car whatever like just they they try to get them prepared so they can take care of this child um and and i had asked her you know like like that's just one organization like and it's the first time i've heard of it and i'm sure there's others but is there enough are there enough nonprofits like that that can help support, you know, the the number of uh, children that would be would be born, um, you know, maybe and, and the mom can't take care of them. So like, what, so like what, what effect, you know, so if Roe gets overturned, like what effect would that have on on, I don't know, our social programs, our um I don't know, our welfare, just, I mean, it, I, in my, my opinion, I'm, a, I'm imagining it's going to be a pretty huge burden. Like what's, what's your take? I, yeah, the, these, I mean, good for these organizations that provide some help, but the, the costs of raising a child, you know, are just absolutely enormous. And it's, you know, women often have to, you know, step back from their own jobs. Um, I do think that, you know, adoption laws uh, need to be reformed and it needs to be made easier, but these are not, you know, these are not things that get mandated by law. Um, There are, you know, some, many of the same people who are, pushing for the overturn of Roe versus Wade. They're conservatives. They don't like expanding food stamps. They don't mm-hmm. like expanding social programs, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, I know that that's true. And 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 furthermore, so staying in Texas, there was a there's a case recently where a woman was charged with murder for a self-induced uh, abortion. And I, I think those charges were dropped, but yeah, the DA backed off of that. When mm. he, <laughs> yeah. he realized right. that again, was not, was not, not a, not a good play on his part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I mean, I can't help but think that, that he, he backed off on that one, but the next one, possibly you know and i just couldn't I, I i i can't imagine just a woman being in prison um for for you know a self-induced abortion or or whatever the case may be because if i were a litigator i would be okay well like are we now saying that humans like so an unborn 
child is now a human that's entitled to all the rights and privileges as you, you and I, and maybe that would be in the Supreme Court. Yeah, there's, um, you know, going all the way back to Roe v. Wade, I think uh, people who are, you know, abortion opponents have generally stopped short at charging the woman mm-hmm. with a, a, a proposing to charge the woman with a crime. You saw that Donald Trump got tripped up on this in the mm-hmm. 2016 campaign when, when he was asked about it. Um, they will go after the providers. Um, and, and in Texas, they will go after now anybody who assists yeah. with the yeah. abortion. But um, criminalizing the woman is has always, at least politically speaking, been a step too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Well, um, so the the the, the, la- the last question I have for you, and, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. So feel free to not want to answer this. Because okay. like when we uh, uh, when I when I spoke with uh, uh, the Professor Eric Berger, our last episode about, you know, kind of the future of abortion in the country, you know, I, I just asked him if what what he thought about the likelihood of Roe v. Wade being overturned. And I, and I made it easy for him. I said, do you think there's a greater or less than 50% chance of it being overturned? And he said, he thought it was, there was a greater than 50% chance of it being overturned. Um, Kind of what that looks like, you know, may vary depending on how, how they decide to write their opinion. But, but I'm curious to kind of get, get your take on, you know, if reading the tea leaves, talking to people, like, do you think there's a greater or lesser than 50% chance of it being overturned? Um, I think that with the makeup of this Supreme Court, um, I think there's probably a greater than 50% chance. Um, and it may not happen this case. It may be something down the line. Mm-hmm. But it, I think you listen to the the justices during the oral arguments mm-hmm. and it was pretty clear what direction most of them want to come. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, um, well, um, thank you, Karen, so much for giving us your time. Um, that was really, really awesome. And, and I appreciate your, your insight and, uh, and thank you again for just the wonderful work that you, you do as a, as a journalist and, and the, the great work Washington Post does. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>